silver bird Departing gate 19 Satisfy your Walter Mitty mind Trying out a dream Your sign is Capricorn In every corner of your mind Says you'll remain my friend My friend until you're mine Silver bird Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, the Thriller Podcast. What's new this week, Mike? Oh, not much. I'm doing okay, but for today's interview, I don't know how you're doing. How's Cranky Chris? Yeah, I I, uh, I don't think I was that cranky in the moment. Maybe it was the bourbon I was drinking. We didn't even get a chance to share, you know, what... Besides what uh, Jim was drinking, they just went right ham into the movie. Right. We jumped right into that sucker. I got to say, I was caught off guard the way you, Brian, and particularly Jim were laying into this one. You'll notice I'm usually the loud and obnoxious one. I took a back seat here because I clearly saw that you three were kind of rolling on the same page and... I was not on that page, so I I, I kind of kept a little quiet during this one. You should have spoke up more because then it would have we would have had a little bit more parody between us. We were just like, I know I was like a little bit more down on it than you were, but I still came out of it enjoying it. But I did I did raise that point, and particularly the movie watch, I was high on it. Now on rewatch, watching it on my phone, true catching a little bit on the, the TV screen. I watched it in pieces, you know, which I, I don't recommend to anybody. You know, it's it's a movie. It's a Netflix movie. But when I was sitting in the theater and I had two hours and I, I wasn't distracted. It's fantastic. I highly, I highly enjoyed it. So, yes, you know. Yes. And I said that in my instant reaction. So, I, I, I'm on record that I enjoyed this movie. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, I, I'm way higher on this film, guys. I love the Gray Man movie. You're going to hear today with our fellow friends from the comm majors who come at things with a more critical and analytical side, really looking at They're a movie podcast. Right. They're looking at movies as film, where I like to do that sometimes, too. You know I I can tear books apart and, and parse them out into what I liked, what I didn't like. But this movie just was so damn entertaining. I loved every minute of it in the theaters. I didn't want to go down that route of picking it apart for all its little pieces. I feel like it's the Gray Man. It doesn't need that level of analysis. Like, out of all the books we've read, and out of a lot of action movies I've seen, this is the one that's just pure beach, summer, fun, entertainment. And so I don't know if it it, it needs that level of analysis that we were giving it. Is that wrong? Yeah. You're, you, no, you're, you're probably right. And it, it, I feel like it's a phenomenon where... You know, if you you begin to pull a string, yes. and you keep pulling at this string, and you unravel the whole thing, and then like yes. we had three people on there like tugging at some things, and then you know it's kind of like you know we've had these arguments, not arguments, but like conversations in college where we're all drinking, and then you know next thing you know <laughs> it gets real heated. You know it it has <laughs> you know it had it had a flare of that. Not not that like we were getting angry at each other, but just you know no. like just it. Things misery misery loves company. That's what exactly. Say. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect analysis. No, but I love talking to, to Brian and Jim. Too bad we couldn't get Katie. Maybe Katie would have would have been like with you. You know, she's I normally loved, more positive. 
So Exactly. I would have loved – and I think she lets herself just get carried away by the movie where Jim's looking mm-hmm. for these deeper themes and comparisons and what's going on in the world of filmmaking and is this pushing the envelope. I feel like her and I would have just got lost in this one. Just love it. Like she liked that part of American Assassin, the beach scene right. and the action. I think she would have just been carried away with this one, especially if they watched it together or got to a movie theater or saw it on a big screen. I, f- I feel like she would have been vibing with me, but alas. All right, we'll have to reach out to her uh, and see what she, she, she thought. But we actually have another guest coming on within a week or so, Jared McCarran, who you may follow on social media. He's a great on the Twitter and Facebook Thrillerverse. He's going to come on as an avid reader of The Gray Man to talk deeper about comparisons between the movie and the later books in the series. Because, Chris, neither you or I have read more than the first one. So Jared's going to be able to jump on. We'll get his thoughts on the film. But we're going to do a real deep dive into how it compares to the books, particularly what nuggets does it bring in from future books that you and I might not even know about. Yeah, because like I, I feel like there's pieces there that I, 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 I keep asking myself, oh, is this is this part of the story going forward? You know, and I just don't know. So that'd be great. And I also I like that we're gonna have this continuing conversation. Obviously, that's what this thriller podcast allows us to do. We, you know, we, we're focusing on Mark Greeny now. We've done the book two parts. We've done the movie. We're now gonna have maybe even one or two more conversations about this movie before we sort of put it put it to rest. And I think that that's important. Just like we had all those conversations with our friends about the terminal list, you know, I'm gl- I'm glad like this is going to be an ongoing conversation, and it's not like the, what we said last night or what we said next week is not going to be our final answer, you know. Right. Great point. Great point. So for now, you have this great interview with our friends from the Com Majors. Please go check them out. They do great movie analysis. They said they they also have, have around 200 episodes. So. You know, you can go back if you've seen a movie. They they're building a a library of all these movies they've seen. Um, yeah, give them a subscribe, follow if you like what what you hear, uh, and we'll be back uh, next week for more the Gray Man discussion. Today we are joined by Jim and Brian, our good friends at the Com Majors Podcast, and it's not just another Thursday. In fact, it's Wednesday, and I'm going to throw you guys a loaded weapon. I mean, a loaded question. Is The Gray Man the hit movie of the summer? What'd you guys think of it? I don't know I could call it the hit movie of the summer. Uh, Are we counting Top Gun Maverick as part of the summer? So so I would think that would have to be it. I found this movie, though, to give you some classification, it is not as good as Top Gun Maverick. It is a billion and a half times better than Jurassic World Dominion. And I would even say I liked it more than Thor. So I would put it. It's up there. It was good. I was I was I'm going to say this right at the start. I was pleasantly surprised how much I liked this movie. So I have a complicated relationship with some of these genre type movies i honestly so i'll i'll start with the stuff i i didn't like which is pretty much everything except two two characters (laughs) okay and yet all right and yet and yet i still liked the movie agree like i still found it really enjoyable like i and we can get into the things that i i didn't like but 
yeah, I found it like really compelling to keep watching. Like I, I, I did enjoy the experience of watching, but like when I started to like think when I can't lose myself in it and I start to think about like the technical part of movie making, I'm like, Oh, th this is not great. But when I like kind of just let that fall away, I, I kind of like a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, see, I didn't. I oh, and didn't I disagree with Brian. Thor. I think Thor is way better than this, mm. but I think, it, yeah. I think it, yeah, I think it depends on what your headspace is going into Thor. I took my kids. Oh, and Thor's a good movie. I'm saying Thor is a bad movie. I a lot think of fun that with this him. movie is I, here. Here might be the reason, Jim, that I, I differ with you on Thor. I had really high expectations for Thor and I had middling expectations for this. Mm -hmm. And I think this movie exceeded my expectations and Thor was probably, right. and that, that's not to say Thor was bad at all, but Whereas I don't Thor think I Thor to me was not as good as Thor Ragnarok. And that was a problem. Whereas this doesn't really where to me, this is comparable in my mind to right. what we did together before American assassin. Or if you look at Michael B. Jordan, when we discussed without remorse, and this is more interesting than both of those, I think, by a lot. That's a Definitely. perfect example. I agree. The, so here's my problem with this movie. It's like, there's not one sequence in this movie that's well, as that good as that, good. Yeah. that building sequence in Without Remorse. Mm, and I can't, yeah. I can't wrap my head around what this movie wanted to be. Like, did it want to be John Wick? Did it want to have like this like on the edge of reality kind of situation going on where you have like indestructible action heroes or yeah, th yeah go ahead. I, right. I think so. We just, we just covered the book and reading the book in the beginning, I was like so down on it. It wasn't until I gave myself over and realized what this was because I was coming into it based off of, you know, we're, we read all the Mitrap books. We read all the, Vin, we read all, we're reading all the Brad Thor books. And even like we had just done some of the Jack Carr stuff. And those things are so, they try to be rooted in reality. But I feel like what Grainy was going in the gray man, once I realized that he was going almost like a mission impossible type thing, you know, like, like the fact that like, if you think about like some of the mission Impossible like stunts, you know, Tom Cruise hanging onto an airplane and, and surviving, you know, yeah. and he actually did that. Like, once you sort of get into that frame of mind, then I started to buy in more. I started to believe it. I started to enjoy it more. I, I was like, all right, you know, and, and then I guess I also appreciated it because I saw it after reading the book and them getting some of the scenes shot for shot from the book and being able to see that on screen. I enjoyed it, but I would agree with you coming into it. Yeah. Like, in totality, I I thought that some of the set pieces to when you take them as a whole, they were better. But like, like the building scene and without remorse is very good, and I like I would agree with you as well. So, have you read the the book? No, I have it sitting right here. Brian sent it to me, and I did okay. not get a chance to uh, dive in before the movie. I actually have my original first edition paperback of the Gray Man. Mm. Very nice. It's just pure entertainment. You really have to suspend disbelief here. And once there's even a, a line towards the end of the book where with a minor character, Court Gentry is reliving everything that happened to him. And this other minor character is like, no fucking way. You jumped out of an airplane without a shoot. You got shot. 
you got stabbed a bunch of times, you blew yourself out of a well. And it, it almost signals to me, Mark Graney admitting this is just bizarre and I'm just going yeah. for entertainment through and through. And because I knew that from the book, I carried that mindset to the movie. I think I think, Jim, I would have been like you if I went into this with my usual critical eye, both filmmaking and storytelling and, you know, grounded in reality. I might have checked out early, but I, I think I just showed up to the theater knowing uh, just entertain me. That's all I expect from this film. But yeah, I, I I get that. Like I, so that's the part. So when I started to think about it that way, I did start to enjoy it more. But then, because I was thinking about it that way, other things just seemed weird to me. Because I don't think anything really interesting happens. Like I don't think the plot of this movie. There's not much stakes to this. No. Yeah. What would you What would you rate the plot? Like you guys do on your scorecards. Like what, what, like what to like, I'm with Jim. I think this is like a, like a C level plot. Maybe. I think I gave the plot a six. That's an issue. Yeah. uh, For this. Now you could argue that the plot in these movies, like a mission impossible movie all the time tends to be the weakest aspect of it at times, but this one's pretty razor thin. They, they didn't do so the Russos and whoever edited this did not do it any any favors. Sure. From for me on plot. Like because it's a really and and so like they have borderline Deus ex machina and, and I don't want to jump all the way to the end, but remind me to bring that up when we get to if sure. I, and I don't know how you want to go through this. Like, but there are certain moments in this movie where I'm like, well, that's just kind of boring stuff that we see in like in like all these spy movies and these like assassin black ops movies that are just like trying to cash in on the genre, right? Like the, the plot here is there, there's a MacGuffin, you know, the, the thumb drive. You don't know what that is. They basically make, they make vague attempts at like, so that's like a, um, yeah, I don't know who coined that. Was it Lucas, Brian? The MacGuffin is like the idea of like the yeah, um, or the ultimate one is the, the rabbit's in, foot in, in Mission Impossible right? Three. Right. Where they don't even try. It doesn't right. matter what it. It doesn't matter what it is. And I will agree. I will disagree with that statement. The, the, most folks will say it doesn't matter what the MacGuffin is because it it drive it drives the plot of the movie forward. But for me, that's like if it doesn't matter, then I have a real hard time like buying into like these characters' motivations. Well, my my question was, all right, just to to set it up, right? So we meet these people. Well, first we meet Court Gentry and he's getting taken out of prison. I thought like that scene with with Billy Bob Thornton was, you know, good, interesting. And then we immediately jump to the action in, in, uh, what is it, Hong Kong or somewhere in Bangkok, Bangkok, which is different from the book. Like all that is is good. We, we were beginning to meet these characters. The Ana de Armas character essentially playing the same, a similar role to what she played in James Bond. Yes, uh, she, that, she, that, oh. she plays that character perfectly. That's also an, a new addition yeah, from but, the book. Well, can I studio add studio input written all over it? Yeah, she did not need to be in the movie. I don't think was used great in this movie. Sure, I thought I didn't like the last Bond movie. The best part of the last Bond movie mm. was her character by a mile. And in this one, I didn't was think they her. used her great. Yeah. Yeah. Where did that come from? At the very end, she seemed like an unstoppable Terminator. Right. You know? <laughs> that scene was but, wild. Outside she comes out of nowhere in, in uh, yeah, where are they in, uh, 
I for- Croatia. That's the other thing. It's like it's hard to keep hard to keep straight where the hell you are in this movie. Yeah. Um. But my my whole thing that I I don't quite understand, and it happens from the very beginning to the end. This CIA character, which again, the CIA, multiple people, is different from the book. The CIA is it is after court, but they're not the main villains. And I think that actually is probably a bonus looking at looking at from the book and angle. The the whole like, I guess for for Jim, it was set up as this. This company is trying to do this deal for oil in Nigeria, and the Nigerian president uh, has a bounty out on Court Gentry's head, and so they hire this company to 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 do the dirty work. And I, I thought like that, all the messiness of the plot in the movie, the the messiness of the, of that side of the plot in the book is even worse. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it is worse. It I thought is. you were going to say Nigerian prince, and I was like, no, 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 please don't go there. <laughs> I I will send you my social security number for that million dollars. <laughs> they they cleaned it up there, but also they didn't pay it off at, at the very end. Right. Like they the the CIA just walks away. Like yeah. So the thing what the hell happened to them? Exactly. Like now court. Now I'm assuming like whatever the sequels are going to be is like he can't let that guy be in charge, right? Like right. Th- and so. Yeah. But that's where, like, just like showing a couple images on a computer and be like, "Yeah, he kind of blew up shit and killed people." Like, that's it's kind of like, okay, well, I and then they they clearly realize that and get the girl involved, get the little girl involved as stakes, and that sort of that's where I think the editing of this sort of is weird. So, like, they cut in these flashbacks. That flashback scene was was good, but like it was at the worst possible moment. Yes. Totally agree. Why not just put it in the the beginning? Yeah, yeah. That's and a good the point. flashback stuff with his father was in terrible spots. Right. Yeah. I think one of the main problems I have with this movie is that is the main character. Like, I think he is. Like, when you hear the ter- like when when I heard the the title Gray Man, and then you sort of you're thinking of this like assassin who, you know, is like. A ghost, right? In the shadows. And and you sort of get that with that Bangkok scene, right? But what I was expecting is like that Billy Bob scene. By the way, as soon as I saw Billy Bob, I was like, oh my God, this is, he's amazing. Oh yeah. He's just right. great in that like in that mentor role. Like it immediately gave me like feels for Oh, I thought you were gonna say monster guilty ball. pleasure movie Armageddon. Um <laughs> no, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was just listening to Jim Gavigan talk about that. He's like, I can't watch Monsters Ball because I can't believe Holly Berry's character. She's like one of the most beautiful people on the planet. So like, why didn't she just become a model? <laughs> uh, anyway, Billy Bob, love him. You get like a wisecracking Ryan Gosling sort of doing his like poor man's Ryan Reynolds routine. A little bit, yes. And I was expecting like, okay, now you jump to Bangkok and he's like this cold-blooded ghost killer to see like he's still sort of a wisecracking. I was like, eh. and so like, I just, I don't think that character was fleshed out very well for the film. I don't know what it, what it's like in the book, but like he, he doesn't feel real. He just seems like a bunch of ideas. He does it like, and his, like his motivations in this movie have nothing to do with his past. Like his motivations are around this girl he watched for a weekend. <laughs> I, think I don't know. That's, that's what maybe they missed was 
the stakes in the book, forget all the Nigerian print stuff. I honestly, even mm-hmm. in the book, couldn't care. But I did care deeply about his passion for the Fitzroy family and his love for the girls knowing they're taken. And, and I Donald he, was a follow, father figure. For Donald yeah, became the, his father figure. Exactly. That felt like the best parts of this movie to me. You could have cut the, the CIA two of them interacting. And, and yeah, exactly. And, and you could have built up and properly edited the background of him and the Fitzroys becoming one with the family instead of this quick hospital scene. Like, oh, yeah. he saved her life. So now I'm supposed to buy their brother. They feel like brother and sister or something. You know, another thing I think that fell short. I, I'm curious your take on the wet teams, because this idea of yeah, having various God. teams, that one now, little cut when they go to the, the John teams Wick cut, loading, right? The John Wick cut, right. And they're all loading up on the planes was so. And it's like the same cheap. four different people wearing different. They're like, oh, that. Well, they're clearly coming from South America. They're clearly. But they don't even they don't like, deal with like, that. Come on, I mean, man, that's it, like it's video been ages shit. since I've read the book. But I remember that being a larger piece of it. And maybe they didn't want to do that Huge because piece. it was too Huge close piece. to John Wick. I know. But my, that's my point. Why even show them? It's like you're going to show, show it. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It it didn't. I think one of the it, the intriguing things about this yeah. for me is that tonally, it's this thing is just all over the place. Like there's moments where I'm kind of into the vibe that it's a little like offbeat. It's a little tongue in cheek. Like he's doing the lines about, is that a 42 regular, you know, like that. But then they go away from that vibe for quite a while. And then they just return to it at points. And I'm like, I, I wish they would have just leaned more into like one aspect of it because I'm okay with that. But then you just got to be a little consistent with it and i felt like some people were playing the movie as like a really straight movie and then you have like chris evans is not doing that in some scenes ryan gosling is like chewing bubblicious making uh jacket jokes and wardrobe jokes and then others it's like playing dead serious that's where i don't know if it's the editing the writing but the choice was weird where they kind of came in and out with that tone in the movie to me, I, I feel like they tried, they tried to, obviously they changed things from the book, but also I think one of their failures is sticking, trying to stick too close to the book, you know, instead of like, just, all right, we have this idea, we had this adapt, you know, we want to adapt this. How can we update it, make it better, you know, make it, you know, you can't just like one for one shot, like not all the time. Can you, can you just make a one for one shot from from the book you know and and sometimes those executions go well sometimes they they don't one thing i do think that went really well and sometimes i feel like he's in a different movie is chris evans because he gets lloyd the character from the book spot on and he's essentially playing the same character from knives out and it's funny to see you have uh, you know tim teaming up with the captain america directors again Mm -hmm playing the antithesis of Captain America, but fighting like Captain America. Every time I saw that, like, you know, with the scene in, in the, in the garden at the very end, he's essentially doing all of his, like the same fight choreography from Endgame, <laughs> but he's a jackass, you know, it's not America's ass anymore. It's, 
you know, America's asshole. Oh, <laughs> he was oh, incredible. Leaps and I bounds. Thought, and you might say, I thought he was the best part of the movie by uh, far, but he's the best part. Billy Bob's and, really and good. And they're both, yeah, go ahead. and they're, and they're both dead at the end. <laughs> Billy and Billy Bob's second best. Yes. They were. That's what I was going to say. My two favorite characters in this book or in this movie are now not in the franchise going forward. Like, yeah, it's going to be hard to move on from from him, I think. And not not in the way of like. Not in the way of like, uh, you know, when you kill the Joker, it's hard to come up with a new Batman villain that's equal to the Joker. I just think there's there was not much else in this movie that felt special. Do you care about Gentry? Do you care about Sierra Six, the Gray Man? See that another another great confusing thing going on in this film is that if you haven't read the book, it's like a throwaway. Uh, they line. don't really say Gray yeah. Man at all in this movie, or course. No, they, they use his name. I think they moved it in the trailer. I think one time. No, it's in the trailer. I don't think it's in the movie. Did he even say? I remember in the trailer they say like, "Oh, the Gray Man, he like shows up," or. He, I thought there was a line in the trailer and I don't remember hearing it in the film, but like mm. I like the idea of Sierra six, but he, it sounded like he was the only one. left. Yeah. Anyway. It's almost a, that, that piece of it is almost a little too treadstone born esque, right. With it. And, you know, part of the sure. issue I think sometimes is it's when this stuff gets made. Right. So gray man was written quite a while ago, right? Is it 2009? Right. So there are things that are in Gray Man that might be great in Gray Man, but since 2009 have been put on screen in other ways. And it doesn't mean he wasn't the first person to come up with the ideas or the sequences or whatever. But you feel like you see some of these sequences before. um, And that's problematic. And I think that's part of the issue that Vince Flynn had with American Assassin or if any of his stuff ever goes on. And I think, quite honestly, it's going to be an issue, you know, if Brad Thor ever gets Scott Harbath stuff made. You know, if you are not a hardcore fan of the author, you're going to see things. You're going to be like, oh, that's from, you know, like those awful White House storming movies that they made based off of, you know, Vince's book. And you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, you're like, yeah, you know, oh, well, they stole that from the Channing Tatum movie. No, they didn't. Okay. They did not steal it. They stole it from Vince. But you wait so long for it. Um, that happens. And there were scenes like to Jim's point earlier, that the key things that are supposed to be awesome, like him jumping out of the plane. Sorry, I saw Fallout and it was better than that. Wait a second. Yes. I will say, though, until he jumps out, I thought that scene was incredible. Yes. Right. Yeah. The way yes. that the camera, they move the camera through the cock, through the fuselage, following him and all the very good, all the changes in altitude and how he was like navigating that. The fighting with the flare was a little weird because the smoke didn't really do anything, but it seemed to do do things to the people that were attacking him. <laughs> Like I could still see everything, and they were having trouble seeing. Right, so that was right. weird. <laughs> I thought but, the the plane scene yeah. was good, but I rolled yeah. my eyes. The biggest action piece you're going to roll your oh eyes at, God, is the handcuff was... to the bench in the middle of the town square in Vienna. There was it the was handcuff ridiculous. didn't make me roll my eyes. It was more just the fact that like this was like a a, a government sanctioned like event, which is just. Yeah, like, come on. <laughs> that's never going to happen. Well, maybe No, but that's not the scene that made me roll my eyes, Mike. The scene that made me roll my eyes was the, the storm in the castle scene 
with Ana de Armas getting Why shot are they at in the castle first off? by like by like fifty you know fifty guns on the roof, and she just has one like grenade launcher, and she's able to take out everybody. Yeah, well, how, while what kind Court of is magically like going through there, the back door, and no one no one sees him. Like, well, he's a forty two regular. You know, he yeah. shot the the guard dead and put on his uniform. Well, instead of being in a proper like. In a proper military. Well, prison, I did like the visuals of that. They're in bear. I thought that was a Victorian kinda... castle for no reason at all. Yeah, but you can't. The visuals don't matter if you, they only exist to serve themselves. Like that, it's yeah, weird. I mean, listen, I think one of the interesting things about this movie is my guess is the person who had the strongest love for it, based upon listening to his instant review, was Mike, and. I think a huge piece of loving this movie would have been seeing it in the theater, which he was able to do. Yes. hundred. Yeah, that, that oh, probably, yeah, probably oh, feels a million percent. percent. So oh, you did. Okay. I, I wanted to talk to you about this because I also saw it in theater and the, the fact that I, 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 I snuck out of work, I, I set up an experiment and then I, I <laughs> I I snuck out at like noon. Hopefully none none of my bosses listen to this podcast, so it's okay. And I saw it and I was in a very small theater, you know, because it was very like limited release. So I think it was only like four rows. It was one of one of those kind of theaters at at an at a Cinemark. (laughs) But my seat was rocking the entire time. And it was awesome. And then I went back and I watched it. You know, me, me and Mike went golfing this past weekend and at night I was I was rewatching parts of it bits by bit, bit, bit by bit and watching on my phone, which I I watch. Unfortunately, I watch a lot of Netflix movies on my phone. It doesn't. And, hit I, I, am, and I imagine that, you know, there's a contingency of people that do it on the phone, on the iPad, on the laptop, whatever. It does not hit the same way. I agree. I, I came out of that theater rocking and rolling because it was in your face up close and then watching it at home on TV, it just the sound and everything, I wasn't getting the same feeling. But again, I just to my earlier point, almost all of your critiques I saw as positives, maybe because I went in knowing it's not going to be uh, an award winner. It's not going to be a critic pleaser. It's not going to be the, the film with the dialogue of the century. I really just went in saying, I want to see some badass stuff. And I'm almost now thinking... Maybe they doubled. It doesn't sound like a Russo brothers thing, but maybe the writers beforehand did double down on knowing how much they're borrowing from other movies. Guy jumps out of the airplane with no parachute. That's done before. Guy kills a guard and takes the uniform to sneak up into a house and you have no idea how he did it. That's been done a zillion times before. A one man wrecking crew out of the armist with her RPG up against 200 guys, a a massive, uh, you know, Elizabethan Victorian, whatever castle in southeastern Europe. I just feel like maybe. Because the book did this, it doubled down on knowing what it was. I I would I would agree, Mike, and made a point of it instead instead of like shirking it or trying to be something it's not. It went whole hog and laid into that. And so for me, I just sat back and said, "Entertain me," and and it worked. And that's would you agree? That's why people yeah. who love love the book will love the movie. What I'm I what, what I'm really surprised on. I don't know if that's been true. Though. Is this movie's reviews are like the negative reviews are a lot worse than I would imagine. This movie's not nearly as I, so. I'm kind of at a loss of 
where that's yeah. coming from. Because listen, again, I wouldn't put this with Top Gun Memory. I would watch this movie again. This is not, I, I agree. This is not Oscar worthy stuff, but it's fun. There's thrill, you know, there's action, all that type of stuff. This movie is getting trashed. It's almost like you either love it or you hate it. And we sound like we Yeah, by a lot of people. And I just it's just not yeah, it's by not just critics. And I what I guess by I should say is I don't necessarily too. get the hate. I can see why people would love it. I don't necessarily get why people would despise it. Despise it is my point. So I think I think there's a point there. I think I do, because like listen, like so I, I saw a few posts that maybe lowered my expectations enough for me to enjoy this, but like Rain Wilson, who's not a, a film critic, he's an actor, obviously, but like he said the coolest thing about the two hundred million dollar gray man was that Netflix algorithms have finally succeeded in completely replacing any and all human psychology with wisecracks and so like <laughs> that made me kind of chuckle at the time but thinking about it after seeing the film i'm like okay so i kind of understand where some people would have a, a a more serious problem with this because i think they did enough groundwork to lay some like actual emotional connection to these characters especially chris evans like his character is a complete lunatic but there is, there is like a, a an emotional like l like troubled level to him that is not very well explored, and the other two characters that are supposed to be his like his cohort, like the the other Harvard grads, are yes, you know, agreed. Why are they there? They don't worthless. That, they're, like they're they, not they don't really, they don't do anything. They're there to say he's crazy. That's all. And one's there to say he's crazy. The other ones are saying like, well, we need him. And then like if they leaned into a little bit of that and then with Ryan Gosling, they kind of like, they kind of show you some emotional stuff, but it doesn't feel right. I don't know the way that it's shown. Didn't, didn't feel right. So like, it's like they tried, they, they like halved it on that. And so like, if you just take those out and just, and actually make him wisecracking the whole time, it, it becomes like, that's not what the movie was really. I don't know. It's like, it's like you, you try to like, you know, water something down a little bit too much. Do you think there's an opportunity, Jim? Do you think the way the flashbacks of his father treating him weren't at, cut in perfectly well? Do you think there's an opportunity? And even with Lloyd, I know you, he's dead, yet he was the most compelling figure. Do you think there's a possible opportunity oh, yeah. in the franchise to go back in time and explore those those nuggets that you did find interesting, but that didn't land for you here? Would you be totally. open to that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, okay. I thought the first opening scene with Billy Bob was incredible. Yeah, they could have right. flashbacks. Like, I, I think they could use Maybe not incredible, Margaret but Cahill. I forget the actress, I thought but she's was... incredible. The yeah, other CIA I thought lady. she was great. Yeah. yeah, she was great. Um, She'd be interesting so, to really hear about. I mean, if they jumped right after that Billy Bob scene to him, like a flashback to him being a kid, you only need to spend like five minutes with him and his dad to realize what's going on. Right. And they they do that in the middle of yeah. the movie where they show him that his dad has burned him with the cigarette lighter. Yeah, regret. No, for no reason in the middle of the movie it comes up. It didn't make any sense. Right, and then right as he's being drowned at the end of the movie, they intercut that with a flashback to a time when his dad was putting his head underwater. Right, yeah. that is borderline like yeah, Deus Ex Machina. Like you don't you. <laughs> It's not a coincidence that that he's able to emotionally connect with that situation and overcome it 
because of his past. But it feels like a coincidence because you didn't tell us till one second before it happens that it happened 30 years ago. It's so right. weird. Whereas the cigarette burn didn't, it didn't like, I don't know. It just felt that like if you, if you took out the cigarette burn scene and just put the drowning scene there or showed us the, like maybe, maybe right after the Billy Bob scene, you show us the, the cigarette burn that leads to like his dad putting his head underwater for some reason. No, they should have. We don't need yes, to see they it. They should have put it early. Yeah. But, but showing it like literally the frame before the frame before he decides to like to like get his next gear and come and fight Chris Evans out of the water. It's really cheap. Well, do you know what it is? It's like the rule of movie, right? Like if you show a gun in a scene at some point in the movie, that gun's good. Yeah. It's, yeah. But they use it in movie like that's what they always. But yeah, the point is, gun. that's a play, Brian. Like yeah. just show him. <laughs> instead of the cigarette scene, have the drowning scene in that spot. Like you're saying, people aren't dumb. It's not like this is a five hour yeah. movie. You know, you, you would know, oh crap. You remember he would, he's dealt with this. Right. I would be even okay with it. Even if they cut to it for a second there. Yes. Then right away. there. When he yeah. was in the well, because they yes. show the cigarette yes. right before he goes in the well. Why not do the drowning while he's in the well, which almost right, makes him hesitate and screw up it, the bomb. It is interesting to think about movies like this because I think you start to realize like how many people have their hands on this thing. Yeah. And like maybe an editor was just like, we need to do this. And then, you know, because even going back to like the end of the Armist thing, like her character really doesn't serve a major purpose in this movie up until the end. Well, she does for the spinoff, Jim, the spinoff movies that are coming that she'll be a part of. I bet. Uh, but like the gray she woman felt so much like like every stereotypical female in an action movie right like it was so bad till the end even like the little quips between them i'm like this makes him feel like not charming which is what i think they're going for right like they want him to seem like really likable and this this joke thing between it got them a little be fun, bit better towards which I guess the end I guess folks will find it fun. I just, I just found it like, yeah, I just found it arduous. I felt, I felt like, okay, like we get it. Like we, we have literally seen this pairing a million times. So like to keep doing it, like to keep it happening over and over again is weird. Well, cause she and got the I car don't know keys how she that shows up Margaret, but that was a throwaway the thing. The, the, you're, you're a thousand part, she got the car, percent right, right. Jim. I know it's insane. Of course, <laughs> the car, <laughs> the timing on that. She just, she just gets the. She, she goes and finds, the, and then, and the other thing is, how did? Oh, we forgot about that other character. Who I oh, really he was cool. Too, which yeah, was, he was more of the John Wick guy, the lone yes, wolf. Yes, completely made, different. Maybe he's in again, the spinoff. It was like I, we don't know who the spinoff. Who's the spinoff going to yes. be? Who's it going to be? Um, yeah, he's this he movie great. is interesting to me because I think it has, two, I think it has two major issues. One, and this is always a problem with movies, I don't think they made this movie with just this movie in mind. And that's always a problem. It's always a problem. Like, you should be making the first movie sure. just to be mm -hmm. like, this mm -hmm. is a great movie. And instead, it's like you're trying to serve the book, which has all these ideas and characters and twisting it. And clearly, at the same point, you're sitting there and being like, well, this could be a franchise for us. So now you're trying. Who are you servicing here? And I, I think the answer is not the story. And that right. is 
Yeah, and well, when you're shelling it, and by the way, Netflix, I get it. The almighty dollar, Ryan. Hundred million dollars out for this movie. Um, I get that, but that's problematic. And then there were just some other things, like Anna de Armas. I think character gets hurt specifically by something we mentioned before. She is so good in the Bond movie that it makes this performance just. Well, if you well, if you've that, seen so it, it does. I I don't think it gets hurt by that. I think it gets hurt by lazy lazy writing. My point is, it's even worse, Jim. If you've seen her in Bond, I think, and then you're really like, oh wow, she played a role just like this that was way more interesting in less time on screen in the Bond movie. Yeah. So I had a question I wanted to bring to all all three of you. So, do you think though this is the best? Netflix action movie. Because they've, 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 you know, starting in December. It's the most successful, know, I think. Yes. Right? They've already I've, that. Obviously, before, you know, their, their stock went to the shit, they announced in December of 2021 that they were releasing a movie every Friday. And they, that, that's when we first saw a little, little glimpse of the gray man on the train. And we saw the red notice and like, which was a bomb, awful movie. Would not recommend that for the comm majors. Um, but I'm just trying to think back to like some of the other things like the Adam project. Yeah. Or I think this is, you know, the some best of these other Netflix films. I've seen. I've seen Red Notice, which was eh. I haven't seen uh, any of this. Them, listen, if we can critique this movie. I enjoyed it. It reminded me at times of like a late 80s, early 90s action movie. And and I was OK with that. Um, I was, it was enjoyable. I'd be, I would watch the sequel. Did you guys see extraction? Did not see extraction. I did not see extraction. I saw six underground and that movie's horrible. Yeah, this is, so I, I think this is, while it has its flaws, this is their best showing. And it's, it's, you know, it's, I don't know what, what that's saying, but yeah, to Brian's point, I was just going to ask, I, I see very few people watching this. And whether it takes two, three, four years, when you hear of the Gray Man 2 coming out, I think you're going to have a really high percentage of people watch that one, regardless of they if they thought this one was good or not. I feel like mm. it it did its job in that regard of people are going to yeah. say, break out the popcorn, go to the theater, and you're going to want to see the second. Yeah. Well, especially here's here's the thing, Mike, which is really interesting, is the fact that it's on Netflix. Of course, right? Like, yeah, I'm paying. I'll Netflix will probably be eighty dollars a month by the time the next one comes out, but because of this movie. But yeah, (laughs) now here's a really interesting question: Would I go see the second Gray Man in a theater? That I don't know. Yeah, the release was ridiculous. To give you an idea, Jim was actually up here when it came out, and I actually looked up to see if it was something he and I could go watch. And it was showing only two different times in only one of the theaters. And I have six theaters we could have gone to, and only one of the six had it, and it was playing at awful times. Yeah, same for me. That's why I had to go at lunch, because it was only playing like... At noon and three and six. Do you think part of that? I don't understand business or contracts. I'm way I'm not intelligent enough for it. But do you think part of that is to get the buzz, get people talking, and then they have to go watch it on Netflix? 
Oh, I think the Russos probably demanded that as part of their, the Russos probably demanded at least a theatrical release of some sort is my guess in the contract. True. But even other people who hear about yeah, it, and I see think people it's... talking about it, who couldn't get to the theaters being so limited, they then feel compelled to get Netflix. It's the same thing as like Obi-Wan Kenobi is being recut and put on IMAX in some countries. You know, um, I think for real fans, you know, if you're a diehard fan, you're a Mark Graney fan, you want to see this in the theater. If you can get enough distribution, you probably put it out there. Maybe you're Netflix and you're hoping this could get like a special effects nomination for something, you know. Right. I was going to say that because... The reason Netflix has put yes. their movies into theaters is because the the Academy has stipulations where it has to play in a certain amount of theaters for a certain amount of time. So, like, obviously not for this one, but like Power of the Dog was released in both like New York and and L.A. for X amount of days yeah. the, in order to be considered for the Academy Awards. Obviously, I don't think Netflix thinks that this is going to contend for the Academy Awards, but I would agree with Brian that the Russos, you know, coming from Avengers Endgame, the Marvel, you know, they probably wanted to have a theatrical release, and so they demanded something like that. I would definitely see the the sequel. I don't know if I would go to the theater, but honestly, that's not... That's a pretty high bar for me these days, so I wouldn't... Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, I, I love going to the theater. It's just hard for me to get there. He didn't even go see Top Gun Maverick yet. Um, But... So, like, I took the kids to see Thor, so it's easier for me to get the movies that they can actually see as well. I think I I did like this movie. Like, even though I, f I feel like I've been bringing up all the things that I thought were bad, I really did want to keep watching, I, and I wanted to, to see it through. But they almost lost me with the first scene between Evans and, like, I was excited for them to be on screen at the same time, and that scene's brutal. Like Evans and uh, Billy Bob? No, no, Evans and um and, and Gosling. Well, do you know part of the issue with that yeah, is yeah. their all their lines were they were encouraged to improv. So like, yeah, but yeah, it's but that's I think uh, they're not ties good to at the improv. tonal issue with this. It is as well. not like funny you're writing at all. the screenplay, right? And you're like, what is this going to look like? What is this going to be? And then you're showing up on set and you're improving all these lines, and that's like. It was, I don't know, it was just weird, the balance there. It, so it, it felt in that moment, and I feel like I enjoy it more if I think about it in this way, is that yes. like, these two characters have seen all the movies that we've seen. And so, like, they're playing characters in front of each other, trying to impress each other, and they're just really shitty at it. Because there's a moment, and I, this has to be on purpose, with Chris Evans, when you... when. He starts to torture Billy. Yeah, I just made this up. He does that thing where he grabs his ears and he like he does this weird thing. <laughs> I, I just made that so up. So wait, time I out. He goes, and I thought that was hilarious. He goes, <laughs> I, I wrote it down because he goes, it's not even torture. I just made that up. That's how this is going to go. And then in the next breath, he does the most cliche torture thing that is rip pulling someone's nails out. So like. At first, I was like, that's just really bad writing. And then as the movie went on, I'm like, oh, no, he's just a fucking idiot. He's a shithead moron who's kind of just failed upwards. And they basically say that he's a mediocre he's just white good dude. good at killing people. And that's 
that's we're having who he other is. people. Like he, other people. Well, he's he usually is, good. He's, he's usually good at killing people. He's not, not good guy, at killing people. He's really bad. At I it will say this. I did. I, it, it, we'll talk positives here. And we've said this about Chris Evans. This is one of like my favorite performances I've seen this year. I fucking excuse my language love him in this movie yeah like i would like literally i'm i know this might sound insane i would have nominated him for a supporting actor in a movie like every minute he's on the screen i'm like he, everything about this is awesome yeah it's oh my god it's so good he plays the asshole so well oh so good like him he's essentially like i said he's essentially playing like a very similar so character good. to what he's he was doing in knives out and he does such a good job at it. I don't. I don't know. Like he's again. He's the besides Billy Bob Thornton. He's the best part of this movie. Yep. And I. I do want to say I have huge respect for Mark Graney. By the way, like of authors and stuff, what he did, like the path to get to this, like that the Gray Man books sell where they sell now, where. The first Gray Man was like a paperback only trade paperback release. Like he did his. He did his like work co-writing with tom clancy and those co-written tom clancy ones you know those were the last ones tom wrote before he passed away those are good jack ryan books you know he 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 just i i think he's just by all accounts is supposed to be an amazing guy so i'm like very happy for him that he did this and i am like really intrigued with the second one because this is the first one of his things to start this franchise. You know, you compare this, right? You'll go back and say, all right, let's compare this to Bourne or Bond or Mission Impossible. I think it's worth noting that they've all had so many films in their their franchises that, you know, I'm interested to see what the next step with this is. This is that first go at it. It's the first go for the Russos to do this style of film. Like, what is that? Right a next generation going to look like listing all those franchises that one could be tempted to compare this to and Netflix from a business perspective, obviously hopes people would compare this to, but in my mind, there's not one other franchise similar that could have had a Lloyd. So this one is doing its, its own thing. So as much as people might try to compare to those and then say, oh, well, this sucks. But he's dead. I get that, but there's... Okay, imagine dropping into one of the Bourne movies, a goofball like Lloyd, starring someone as big as Chris Evans, or dropping into Bond, someone as just shit-faced funny as he was. You can't do it. Well, I wish to God they had dropped him into the last Bond movie because I did not like that movie at all. He would have been a huge addition to that film. Yeah, I know. I, I that's what I mean, Mike. I think you're right. Like, but this I'm, one does that. So I'm really interesting where it goes. I praise it for that. I just wish they would have ra- they would have raised they would have raised Ryan Gosling either in the emotional arena of like what like who he is as a character, or let him go full on Ryan Reynolds. Right. Like it's too like wishy-washy on him for like most of this movie is him just grunting in pain yes. after he gets like shot or kicked, which I think he's actually really good at. Like, he, yeah, he plays the pain really well. But it's like, funny because that's most of the book. So that's that's where I think they, they try to adapt the book too much. 
almost too much while they also made changes. It's it, it's like a this weird conundrum, you know. I would highly recommend if you've never seen the movie Drive with Ryan Gosling. There's a lot of that character, but like movie. the style he's trying to bring there, and I think Different that's why I kind of like that performance because I that movie right. I think is truly brilliant. And there was, and I wonder like if the Russos are trying to bring some of that performance in here. Cause when he's at his best in this, when he's doing that, where I think he's at his weakest is like some of the throwaway lines, like the suit thing and the gum thing. I wish they had just gone like drive Ryan Gosling and let, let almost yeah. do like um, Batman 89, right? Have, have Jack Nicholson, you know, you have Chris Evans being a crazy nut job like role and then have, you know, Ryan Gosling being what he is, that would have worked maybe a little bit better. Right. Cause they, th- again, it just seems like they're playing with too many themes with the character and didn't like focus on one for his arc. Right. So like, is he an unstoppable force that no matter how many times he gets punched, he's going to get back up. Like, is he miles Morales? Like, is he the, the like Merc with the mouth? Like, is he like, he, they just, there was like five different things that they were trying to make happen and they didn't make any of them fully happen. Like, is he, is he the daddy issues guy? Is he the, you know, there were just so many things. And when I saw how well he was dealing with like the scenes of like showing drive, how much pain he was in, I was like, gossip. Oh, that's it. Like they should have just leaned into him being like, I no, like, yeah, like the Indiana Jones, like he's going to get the shit kicked well, out of the entire yeah, movie. Jim, you know what? But that's, no one will. Outlast it's interesting because you talk right. about these these genres. That is exactly what got Mission Impossible back on track with Brad Bird. If you watch Ghost Protocol, which we did for Commagers, that everything goes wrong. He gets beat up. He doesn't you know, he's like, that's what Brad yeah. Bird wanted to do. And that's when they figured out, I think, the tone that's really taken Mission Impossible on to be the best of this genre now. It's not one, two, and three. It's when Brad Bird figured that out. Lately, well, one's my favorite, Chris. It is. But I'm saying, like, but it was Ghost Protocol that figured out this thematic idea that they've taken since that time. And it was, like, beat beat Ethan up. Beat Tom Cruise up. Let him do crazy stuff. And let all the other stuff go around him. And I think that might have been better served in this movie. I I don't know. I'm a I'm a little hesitant hearing this in the sense of let's say they chose any one of those, maybe what you're talking about, Brian or Jim, any one of those thematic or tonal uh, characters that, that they dug into. I think we'd sit here saying, oh, he's one dimensional and it's too similar to this other movie that's already done that and done it. Well, better. Mike, it, yeah, so I just it's fair. I'm kind I'm trying to look at it from the other side of yeah. If they went one dimensional, we'd sit here critiquing, oh, it's too similar to this one franchise where here I think it's just a smorgasbord. Yeah, you're right, though. But now I'm thinking it's too similar to like eight of them. See, no, but this is exactly what Brian said, right? It's like the gray man when it came out in 2009 probably was I mean, it's not original because this kind of stuff has been, you know, here for a long time. But the style, the, the quirkiness may have been somewhat original and then since 2009 we've seen these different things and then you throw in these auteurs who are bringing their own baggage their own ideals you know it's almost like they wanted 
they told Ryan Gosling, "We want you. We want your character from Dry, but we want your your humor from Crazy Stupid Love to come out." You know, yeah. like, yeah. It, yeah. And you're like giving, contemplative of like, yeah, Blade yeah. Runner. For well, that yeah, that, exactly, that, exactly. Like, exactly. Well, throwing some John, John Wick. Wick. Hold on, while you're yeah. at it. You know, are you in the new one? You what in are you movie? in? <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, this <laughs> now. <laughs> Yeah, and it didn't. It didn't create its own. That's what. Uh, that's. I think. I think that's what. Why yeah, yeah, we're yeah. being so nitpicky because it, it's not like cementing. It, it could have been its own thing, and it's not. This movie solves a major com majors problem that Jim and I have had forever. Though it just reinforces that Ryan Gosling could have been in a real action scene in the Notebook. It proves that he could have could have done it he could have oh done my it. god that, the worst we're almost two we're almost 200 episodes so we've, we've seen, seen some we've watched some really stuff. bad movies on his our podcast it. we've seen some really bad wait doesn't uh, the house burn down maybe or something the worst, no, the, the worst the scene maybe in cinematic no that the scene isn't there in, a war scene yes the no war book. scene war right. scene ever the <laughs> war scenes in in the notebook may be the worst I'll tell you, I have, I've watched that. I've watched in quotes that movie a lot of times. Like in college, my my now then girlfriend, now wife, would always want to watch it. I've never seen it fully. I've always fallen asleep. Oh yeah, she'll she'll don't let her listen, Chris. You'll never meet Jim if you let her listen to that. (laughs) (laughs) Katie hated him more than anybody. I, I think Katie hated him more than I did. Oh, that's funny. She was not happy with it. I need to bring up one thing. I don't know. Sure. We're probably going long here. But if this line, the Ken doll line was improvised, it was brilliant. Oh, because he's playing Ken. Because he's playing Ken. Exactly. So, like, would someone kill this walking Ken doll? <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, the, the I guess we can wrap it up here. But we're in this time for thrillers, you know, coming off the heels of, you know, obviously Jack Ryan has done well they're they're renewed for two more seasons um reacher the reacher, the was reacher, reacher earlier this year did very well uh the terminal by the way I, now jim have you had a chance to watch the terminal list no i, I have not. not that i thought that was i brian have you watched terminalist which was hard because i almost uh, watched we, it just I because was, of your guys series talking really good. to people yeah. okay about it oh it was it was very very good mm-hmm. and and now we obviously are getting we got the gray man and we just had an interview with Brad Thor and he's, he's, he said he's in a serious, this is probably the serious he's ever been in terms of making, you know, bringing Scott Harvath to life. Um, you know, we're, we're in this like whole world of bringing these thriller characters, you know, do, do you think this is a good thing for our genre for obviously this is what our bread and butter is. This is why we have this podcast. Well, it's great for you guys. I mean, it gives you unlimited seasons. Every time I listen to you, you're doing another, uh, it's a new name. I think anytime you, I think anytime, you know, folks are, are, are getting enough money to like put their vision on film or on, you know, at this point, honestly, and me and Brian talk about this all the time. I, I enjoy the long format TV. Like I, so, you know, 10, yep. eight, 10 episodes. I love that format because I'm, I'm more of invested in, in, I like getting more invested in characters, Yep. Right. but so I think if, if they're getting the money, I think that, I think that's great. I, I, you know, the problem is you'll have 
you'll have your stinkers. You'll have you'll have your ones that get made by people who don't love the source material and don't don't understand it enough to be a surgeon with like what should be in and what should be out and let you know a character like the Anadarmus character just be shoehorned in and it would it, it you know it's very clear when that happens and if you've read the source material you're probably not going to be too thrilled about it. So I think it comes there's some good and bad. I'd love to sit, hear your take on Terminalist. I think one of the things that's going to be most important in this stretch of time is, and this is really difficult, is that thriller fans and fans of novels tend to be very toxic towards properties when they're adapted. I think what you mean is American that, Assassin. Like, that, that males between the age of 15 and 40, 15 and, and 82 are assholes. <laughs> I think that's going to be a big, the majority of, of us. are, And assholes. we saw that with, I think the terminal list, like anybody who was critical of it. And there was a lot of BS critical reviews of it to be fair, but anybody who was even the slight bit critical in some of the groups that I'm in, like on social media, it turned into, we need to attack this person. Anybody who questions if this is good, we're, like I, I'm not interested mm-hmm. in that. Like I, I'm interested in having like a, a discussion like this about okay, what was good about this as a piece of art? Because the reality is they're different, and there's pros and cons of that. I love that it's being made. Like Reacher to me is fabulous. I might be the only person in the world who will sit here and tell you I love Tom Cruise as Jack Reacher in the Jack Reacher movie, and I loved the first season of Reacher and I will watch the Jack Reacher movie and I can't wait for the second season of it because they're different forms. Right. And I love the Lee child novels. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, but the reality is those are three different mediums, long form TV novel and film. And you need to be able to embrace each of those. They're different mediums. And can you be a fan of the essence of all those or not? And, it, it, and as long as people are willing to like say, okay, Gray Man, this is the movie and it's going to be the movie and I'll still read the Mark Rainey books and I just hope it's close there. That takes time. And I hope people keep doing it because I think it's fun or they're going to just be a-holes. Or they're like what happened to my favorite IP of all time. Oh, what's your favorite IP, Jim? Have you told us before? Stephen we, King, we, The Dark we've Tower. Never, we've never oh, made Jim watch the movie. It's I like haven't even watched the movie. Don't I want have him to go into the therapy. Movie so it's, it's in the eighty-nine minutes. It's about seven thousand pages of of yeah. What about Rings of Power, Jim? What are you thinking about that? Did oh, I'm excited to watch that. Same. Yeah, I'll watch yeah. it. I'll watch it. Really? Yeah. I think I'm more excited for the Game of Thrones. Yeah. I can't. I know. Can, I the, can the guy just publish the book for Jim? The, the, no- I mean, the I last book the that was published, I was working books. at Barnes and Noble. Just having and that was like Eighteen years ago. <laughs> so, I would love. I would love someone from the thriller, the thriller genre world, to look at Stephen King's book, Billy Summers, and figure out a way to make it. Doesn't he have a deal with Hulu, make Jim? It, Is that not going to be coming there? Like a like Isn't a ten part series. Stuff was? I don't know. I mean, he does. Oh, so good. No, he he so, doesn't have a deal. So he good, has. Though. That was just Castle Rock. That's not. He, he didn't even write that. That's just a. Yeah, it's a it's a borderline thriller in the same like style of of, I would say like not Tom Clancy because it's not governmental at all, 
Um, but yeah, it's it's basically a that's a book recommendation, so Jim. I right. love it. All right. It's very strange, but yeah. But if that gets made, I'm happy to all this money getting thrown into this genre. That's that's great, guys. Uh, Mike mentioned that uh, Brian, you actually have some questions for us. Oh, I have five questions. We can't play our audio because Jim's not here. Uh, to it's not our feed. Play the he. We don't have his setup going, so we can't play. Our, uh, oh, what do wait, you mean? wrong button. Here we go. You want answers? You want answers? All sorts of copyright issues probably here. So I will ask five questions that we ask at the end of every Com Majors episode. Uh, one of the things they talked a lot about in this movie, guys, thumbs up or thumbs down, watermelon bubblicious bubblegum. And why is it not okay to chew gum in certain places? Like just a regular room? This movie apparently has issues with people chewing gum in regular rooms. I was taken because, like, I think that's like in some Asian countries, like Singapore, chewing gum is is illegal, like technically illegal. So that mm. that's where I was going. What's off your favorite? Of. But yes, I'm gum. a huge bubbleish. I'm a huge gum fan. I like I chew a lot of gum. So I don't know if this is like going to be a hot take, but I I love juicy fruit. It lasts maybe like two minutes. Yes, <laughs> but Big juicy fruit fan. I, I love juicy fruit. Is if there anything be- better than the first like ten seconds of Big League Chew though? Oh, that was that was gonna be my number two is Big League Chew. I recently my son is getting into baseball. (laughs) Oh, that's got free batting glove. Setting setting him up early, teaching him how to put the lift in. You know, like very early. Yeah. (laughs) How funny is that? Is that that we 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 had candy cigarettes, we had we had gum cigarettes, we had fake chewing tobacco, and I also had like the they had um, beef jerky that was cut like. Like dip, and you could you could put like oh yeah, they, they had like beef jerky dip that no. you could just pack in your lip. If you gave your kid that. That would never fly nowadays. No. All right. What 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 about you, Mike? What, gum guy? Not a, thumbs down on gum, but if I were gonna have gum, I did like the the thickness, the heft factor of the bubblicious. Right. That's a, it is a story. Uh, this is a tough one. This is our would you rather question. Would you rather read a Mitch Rapp novel written by Brad Thor or a Scott Harvath novel written by Vince Flynn? Anything written by Vince. Anything. I'm going Vince all day. Oh, man. That's, that's tough. I think, I think I have to go with what Mike said. I, while I, I do enjoy Brad's writing, I, I think I enjoy Vince's writing more. So I'll, I'll go Vince. All right. Um, fill in the blank question. Uh, Court Gentry's call sign is Sierra Six. Your call sign would be Pizza Man. It's got to be. It's got to be Firm Daddy. Firm Daddy. <laughs> the Firm Daddy. Doctor ah, Firm. Doctor. That's Doctor Firm Daddy. Do you? Sounds like a Bond Please. villain. You. You worked for that title, sir. You worked for that title. Make sure you uh, appreciate it. Uh, Chris Evans, as we said, amazing in this film. Guys, what's your favorite MCU film? Hmm. You want to take it first, Mike? Uh, it's probably overused, but I, I think I'm going to stick with Winter Soldier. Ooh. I'm going with Winter My Soldier. My favorite. Yeah. I think that's My a favorite that's as a well. Pleaser. I'm going to have to go Infinity War. Hmm. You want to hear my okay. secret shame? Also great. He, sure. 
Jim has never seen Winter Soldier. <laughs> never seen Winter Soldier? I have oh, not. You'd love it. I know it's I on would. Disney Plus. I'll give you my subscription. You can watch it. My, Katie was out of town. I watched three movies this weekend. I what did you Gray watch? Man. Oh, you watched, watched Gray Man, the hustle, obviously. The Adam Sandler, and I watched. Ooh, very good. And uh, I yeah, watched very Thor, good. Ragnarok, or Thor: Love and Thunder. Okay. Well, you went to the movie. That's a. I just watched rewatch. By the way, quick recommendation: The Birds. I hadn't watched like it in a while. Alfred Beautiful Hitchcock 4K movie. Restoration. Oh, Alfred nice. Shit. They just got a great new Alfred Hitchcock 4K release. It's The Birds, Psycho, Vertigo. Ooh, I got to check that out. Nice. Rear Window. Yeah. So, and there are a lot of great stuff with it. Finally, uh, we call our deep thoughts question. If No Limits was to give an actor or actress the full No Limits experience and do their whole film catalog, who's it going to be? So we would be covering every one of their movies, every Ooh. every one of them, just like you guys do deep deep dive every movie. Who would it be? So I think I would want to go for volume, not not. I would want to go for quantity over quality, but with some quality in there, and it would have to be either one or two people. And it's mainly because I listened to this this podcast called the the um, the Big Picture, and they've recently done both both of these actors kind of similar to this, but Nicolas Cage or what? or Tom Cruise <laughs> because they've been they've been in so many movies and they've they've had highs yeah, they're they've, they've had highs choices. and they've had lows and I would lows. just love to cover all of their movies like Nicolas Cage had a had a series in one year five straight to dvd movies that i had no idea he was even in them yeah one of them is like he's killing animatronic <laughs> animals or something yeah and i would love to cover that on the podcast yeah. so it would probably be nicholas cage ghost rider no limits no limits yeah you're gonna have to watch ghost rider keep that in mind <laughs> I, th- I think i'm gonna take a different and ghost rider i'm gonna go with the gravitas i'm thinking morgan freeman oh that's a good one there's Ooh. a lot to dig into there. Morgan, love it. Deep thought. And the voice. That's a good one, Mike. We'll I also like accept Curse Russell. <laughs> well, thank you it. for the five, five questions. questions. We got a little bit of the Com Majors experience. It's too bad Katie couldn't join us. We we love being with all the Com Majors all at once. But uh, perhaps next time we'll have to get the whole crew together with her. And maybe we'll do Gray Man 2 one day. And we'd also love to pick your brain and get your thoughts after any of you guys watch The Terminalist. So definitely want to oh, hear yeah. from you. About I need that. to watch that. Yes. Yeah. Just and to w- steal from your podcast one more time, you guys normally, what, at the end, you, you, you say, is this better than the last movie you saw? So the last movie I believe we reviewed together was Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh, or was it? Oh, yeah. It so was. Yeah, well, this is, is this better than this Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy? More watchable. It's more watchable. Than yeah, I think I think I enjoyed it more, but it's hard to say because I think there's a tension to that movie that if you're not in the right headspace when you watch it, you kind of you kind of lose. That's tough for me to say. That movie is much more art. Which, but uh, which one would you rewatch again? One hundred percent. This is that I would call that movie more art. One hundred percent more. Rewatch. Yeah. Much more artistic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, agreed. Yes. Well, why don't you guys tell us where folks can find the com majors and what's next on what movies are you doing? Yeah, Brian, what are we doing? Because 
I don't uh, remember. Uh, <laughs> well, we uh, you can find us on any of the uh, your preferred podcast listening sites. Uh, we've recently done Misery, and we are very, very excited for a new episode that will be dropping this week. Tom Cruise okay. in Cocktail. Right. Oh, great movie. I'm, I'm going to listen to that one. It's actually the longest episode really? in Com Major's history, believe it or not. How how long is it? Uh, well, it's like oh, a two parter. We yeah, have yeah, a yeah. bonus. We had a bar. We had a bartender Flair interview. Bartender. So between the bartender interview, Blair bartender interview from Fridays, and the actual episode, you get about two hours wow. of content. There. Very nice. There are there are actually longer parallels than the movie itself. Cocktail and this movie, which are like I wanted to keep watching it, even though. I knew at some level it was not meeting the the, the things that I wanted it to do. <laughs> and by the way, there is a cocktail reference in Thor Love and um, Thunder. I don't remember. I don't know if Jim caught it. There is a cocktail. There is a cocktail Easter egg in that film as well. Uh, and you could also listen to Jim and I on uh, the Shit Show, a Shit's Creek podcast. That's right. That's right. How far along are you guys? Did you wrap that up or? We are in season. I think we're we're just about to finish season three. Yeah, three. All right. We finished season three. We're about right. we're about to start season four. Uh, and can I do a quick th- uh, thriller sure. novel plug, if possible? Uh, Matt Betley's The Neighborhood comes out the beginning of August, and I've read it eons ago, um, and I've read it several times. And remember, I you, if you guys didn't know, it. Brian got an early copy in case you didn't know. that. <laughs> I remember hearing about that. I definitely think, Chris, we should cover that one on the pod, maybe later on in the fall. And we'll try to have Matt on. I'd love to have Matt Bentley on. All right, let's do it. Let's cool. do it. Well, thanks, guys. Loved hanging out with you. And thanks for sharing your thoughts on The Gray Man. Yeah, thanks. All right, we have to thank our patrons, especially our... Our special operator, Sherry F. George Goodell's biggest fan. Along with our special <laughs> agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. You know, I listened to that interview today, and you were a little bit more down on the audio than it wasn't that bad. I thought it was a pretty good interview. I had to really doctor up the George Goodell audio. That, that by the way, that episode is over on No Limits, the, the Mitch Rap podcast. And... I hear Oath of Loyalty is shipping out soon. So if anybody still here is a Vince Flynn Mitrap fan, we will absolutely be covering the new book in the Mitrap series over at the Mitrap podcast. But yeah, I really had to doctor up the audio for George, but it, it came out okay. It came out pretty good. There's some parts you can't hear him too clearly. It's just so funny. He's an audiobook narrator, but. He didn't have his usual yeah. tech set up and all his yeah. assistants. You know, we were recording late at night, so. No, I, yeah, no, I, th- I thought that was a great interview. And I guess while we're here, we'll plug our other podcast, the Scott Harvath podcast. Coming at you. We did In the Blood. Next month we're doing, was it Black? I was mixed together, uh, no, Blowback uh, and Takedown. Rising Tiger. We did Rising, Rising Tiger. Tiger. We've done too many books this past month. Too many books, too many podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We just finished up Rising Tiger. Now we are switching to what is the fourth book in the series, Blowback. Yes, yes, that sounds yeah, right. Yeah. 
Okay, in the Scott Harvath series, Brad Thorne. In the Scott yes. Harvath, yes. So that's our season two, the Scott Harvath podcast over there. Yep, yep. All right, please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at thrillerpodcast. And as always, Jim Boy is on his way. 